Um, on this Mother's Day, we, we do, we honor um, all of the moms and we honor all of the, uh, the women in our church, but I would be remiss if I didn't just point out one particular mom that I am particularly inclined towards, and I just want to say a big happy Mother's Day to my beautiful wife, Rebecca. Would you join me in honoring her? Um, you can, the louder you clap, the better it is for me. Praise God. Amen. All right. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. I want to start today um, with, with, an, with, a, with an ancient spiritual practice um, that I want to invite all of you into. And it's, it's, a, it's a spiritual practice that you may not be familiar with. You may have never done this before. Um, but it's, a, it's an incredibly effective spiritual discipline. Um, and the interesting thing about it is that it is effective um, w- whether you are a follower of Jesus or not. So everybody can participate in this spiritual discipline uh, wherever you are uh, on your spiritual path. Um, and uh, the, the thing about this discipline is that it actually brings greater peace, greater um, harmony into your life, less distraction, uh, more focus. Uh, it just has incredible benefits. So I want to encourage you all to participate in it this morning. And, and here's how it works. You, you reach into your pocket or your, your purse or your fanny pack and you pull out your mobile device. Um, this is, this is uh, part of the practice. So I encourage everybody to pull out their mo- mobile device as part of this discipline uh, and, and just trust me on this. This is going to be very effective for you. Um, and, and you can use, you know, if you have an iPhone or if you have a flip phone or, you know, whatever you have, your burner, your hollow box, whatever you got, just pull it out, pull it out. Now, here's the spiritual discipline. Are you ready? There's a little f- feature that may feel unfamiliar to some of you. Um, it's called, they call it the on-off switch or the power button. And, um, so I want to encourage you all, and I'm going to, I'll demonstrate it, I'll lead the way, but I want to encourage everybody to just, mine's on the top, you just push this button down, right? And then for me, there's an extra step, because it says, are you sure you want to do this? Are you, do, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to muster the courage, personally, I'm just going to muster the courage, and I'm going to turn that thing off. If you want to join me in that today, this is a great spiritual discipline. It actually ties in to our sermon. I know some of you are anxious about it right now. In fact, let me tell you, let me tell you, the thing that will happen if you, if, you, if you participate in this spiritual practice is that for the first few seconds, you will, you will experience an increase of anxiety and panic. You will have a moment where you start to go, hmm, I don't know if, this, if I can do this, you know what, but my notifications and my text message, right? But then you will experience a calm. You will experience a calm. I, I was actually going to take it one step further and have you hand the phone to the person next to you. And I thought, man, that will induce mass panic attacks. So I am not going to do that today. Isn't that nice? So now we're all totally distraction-free uh, and, and together in this one space, in this one uh, accord. Um, th- the reality is that we get so accustomed to distractions in our lives that sometimes we actually forget what it is that we're even supposed to be focusing on. Like the distractions become the thing. The distractions become the focus. And we end up not being able to focus on any of the things that we know or that we used to know that we wanted to focus on because we're so distracted. Uh, There are different kinds of distractions. There are internal and then there are external. External distractions are the easiest ones because those are the things that are outside of you the external stimuli, if you will, that draw you away from the main thing that you 
know that you want to be focused on. Uh, external distractions can be toxic relationships. So you end up in uh, spending a lot of time and energy working out something with somebody who doesn't really uh, bring anything to the table and you're, you're distracted. You're spending a lot of time and energy on a relationship that you ought not to spend time on and it's a distraction. Another distraction that sometimes we face are just the expectations of other people. And I don't know about you, but one of the most empowering words that I've discovered in the English language is no. It's, a, uh, it's, it's, it's the second most powerful. Yes is a very powerful word, right? But no is also a powerful word. Because every time you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to something else. So sometimes in our life, we have to learn that we need to just say no. That's something that I, that's a distraction from the main thing, even if it's a good thing. It's a distraction from the main thing. A big one, and I've been playing with you already this morning on it, is technology. So technology has become a massive source of distraction for so, much, so many of us. Um, some of you on social media, some of us, know more about other people's lives than we do about our own because we're, we're locked in to the social media stage, you know? Some of us are so tied in with text that we become intexticated. We like get so, and I'm, thank you, the front row thought that was, high schoolers like that. Thanks guys, I'm keeping that next service. We get, we get, we get, we can be in a room with people that we love and we're absorbed in the lives of people that aren't even there. We get distracted. In fact, sometimes it's not even real people. It's, we get distracted by, by the shows that we're watching. And we're more on Netflix than in the New Testament. And we're, we know more about the Game of Thrones than we do about our own homes. And we're, we're distracted by things that are going on around us. The other kinds of distractions are the internal ones. The internal distractions are, are in, interior drives, ideas, thoughts, concerns that pull us away from what's important. I don't know about you, but one big one for me is, uh, a big distraction for me is thinking about possible problems that may or may not occur at a future date. Does anybody else do that besides me? And so I will, I will, I will focus on a possible potential problem that has not occurred that I only have very limited reason to believe ever will occur, and I will design the, the, the answer to the problem that has not yet happened and very likely will not happen. And so I can sometimes be in a room with people, it's usually with my family, and, and I can be thinking about a problem and the resolution to that problem and completely miss out on the people around me because I'm distracted, not by anything external, but by something internal. Sometimes we also get distracted by, by disappointments from things that happened in the past over which we no longer have any control. And we don't move forward in our lives because we are distracted by thoughts about things that happened in our past that are affecting our present and will undermine our future unless we stop focusing on them. They are distractions. The other kind of internal distraction is, the, is just simply the drive to do something that's not important in the moment. And, and this is a big one. And it usually arises when the important thing is sitting right in front of you, right? So like when, I'm, when I am drafting a sermon, when I'm working on a sermon, everything seems more interesting than my sermon, right? I mean, a, a, I mean, 
I mean, a fly can land on my desk and suddenly I'm like way into the fly because I'm like, oh, that's interesting, right? Distraction. You go into the gym, your mind starts to say, hey man, you know what? There's a Ben and Jerry's across the street. It's so much nicer in there, nice and cool, right? So, so we, we, we're trying to focus on one thing, but we have desires and drives and impulses that draw us away from the thing that we need to focus on, right? Distractions. The question then that we have to ask is, how do we, if we, if we understand that distractions affect our family relationships, affect our destiny, affect our friendships, affect our finances, affect our grades, affect our relationships, if, if they negatively impact all of the important areas of our lives, then the question we have to ask ourselves is how do we deal with distractions? How do we deal with those things that draw us away from the main thing that we are to focus on. And the good news is, is that distractions is nothing new. It's not, uh, some, it's not something that arose with the internet. This has been happening uh, forever. Um, and Jesus has this, this really wonderful response when he is faced with a person who is distracted from the main thing. And he gives us uh, some insight that will, that will guide us and lead us and focus us back onto the things that are important and avoid those things which distract us. So I want to read you this story. Some of you are going to be familiar with the story. I want to read it straight through. Then we'll come back and we'll kind of chop it up and take little bits. And, and, I, and I really hope that this passage today will bring some clarity for you and some focus for you uh, as you're trying to avoid distractions in your life. It says this. It says in Luke chapter 10, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they were traveling. It says he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now Martha had a sister whose name was Mary. Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. Somebody say distracted. She was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus says your name twice. You should listen. He only does this three times, actually. He does it once to Simon Peter when Simon Peter said, hey, I'm never going to deny you. And he goes, Simon, Simon. He's like, hey, let, let let me just gently nudge you back into the right frame of mind. He did it once to Paul. When, when his name was Saul, when he was on the road uh, uh, to Damascus and he was out to persecute Christians and Jesus appears in a blinding light and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You need to follow me, right? And he does it to Martha. The only three times he does it. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And then I love this. Actually, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Today, I want to just spend a few minutes talking on the law of distraction. The law of distraction. Tell your neighbor, say, stay focused. Stay focused. We all in? Okay. When I was, when I was a high schooler, when I was a teenager, I had a 1986 powder blue Nissan hard body, hard body pickup truck. And if you don't know what that looks like, Just imagine a regular pickup and then shrink it down by about half. 
That's the car that I drove in high school. And I loved this pickup truck. Okay, this was kind of a beater. Um, it, um, it, it had some dings and some dents. It had already gone through some things in life. And, and then it came to me and I just loved it. And in fact, I spent as much of the money that I could that I made when I was working at Casa Gallardo in uh, uh, Bridgeton uh, on, my, on, my, on my Nissan hard body pickup. I put big tires on the back like so that it would like slant down. And that was pretty cool. And um, I bought the, uh, didn't have air conditioning, so I bought one of those seat covers that has the big beads on it, you know? And you, like, I don't know if they make those anymore, but they were the thing in the 80s. So the air will flow behind your back. You don't get the big wet spot on your back. So I, I, I even had, I love this truck so much, I even bought uh, vanity plates for it. I, and and my, my vanity plates, this is no joke, you can go to the DMV, look this up. My, my vanity plates said, never die. N-E-V-R dash D-I. Man, I, I, think I, I think I have a picture. I meant to bring a picture today. Never died, which is ironic because I almost died in that pickup so many times um, that it just would have been weird. But, but the thing is, I love this truck, but I had um, a problem that a lot of teenagers had, have and, and some adults, and that is I was easily distracted even while I was driving. So I, I would be driving, and I would see somebody that I know from my high school walking down the sidewalk, and I just felt like it was important for me to get their attention and, and to have a little conversation with them. I'm a very social person. So I'd be like, hey, you know, hanging out the window trying to talk to somebody. Or if, or if you know, I just saw a building that I liked, I would suddenly be fixated on that building. Or um, if a good song came on the radio, and some of you are children of the 80s, there was some good music. I mean, like, you know, if Run DMC came on, or, or Guns N' Roses, or... Cinderella, anyone, or Dougie Fresh, or, you know, I mean, man, I've lost everybody under 35 completely, just like, but you older folks, I got you right now, you're, you're, if a song came on, I would, I would, it, the front of the, the cab of the truck would turn into a stage, a concert arena, and I would just get so into it, but the problem is you would, you know, if you're, if you're playing music in your car, if you're rocking out, you're not driving. You're not, you're not focusing on the main thing. And the, and the problem was, for me, I ended up getting in three accidents in my first year. They weren't, nobody got hurt. Three accidents in my first year of driving. And I got so many traffic citations that one day the judge literally talked to me and said, if you get one more citation, you will max out on the number of points that you are permitted uh, and, and your license will be revoked. Like, you will be not driving. You will be back on your bicycle, son, if you don't stop driving distracted, right? And the thing is, I wasn't distracted by bad things. I wasn't drunk driving. I wasn't trying to, you know, be reckless. It wasn't that I didn't care. I liked, you know, I liked the truck. I liked people. I wasn't being rebellious. It's just that I was distracted. I was distracted from the main thing. When we see Mary in this passage, she's not distracted by bad things. She's not doing things that she shouldn't do. She's distracted by good things. In fact, the, the scripture says this. It says that Martha was, did I say Mary Martha? Martha was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. These are things that needed to be done. Martha was distracted by good things, not bad things, not even neutral things. She was distracted by necessary things. But Jesus is trying to teach her something, which he is trying to teach us. And he's saying, don't let the good things distract you from the main thing. Don't let the good things in life distract you from the main things in life. Now, I want to I 
I want to give Martha her, her due here. Because a lot of times when you hear this passage preached, Martha gets a bad rap. The sermon goes something like this. Martha was distracted. Don't be like Martha. Mary was at Jesus' feet. Be like Mary. The end. You're out, right? But Martha, honestly, and here's how you can tell. I want you to do a spiritual test. You can tell if you're more like Martha or more like Mary just by deciding whether this story bugs you or not. Because for me, the reason I've never preached this passage, I don't really like this passage. Can I be honest with you? Like, like I don't like Jesus saying to Martha, hey, you're too busy, right? Because I like Martha. I get Martha. I'm more like Martha. I'm a doer. I like to do things. Martha is the kind of person that I would want to hire. She, she, Martha is a checklist person. Martha is going to get it done. She has the gift of TCB, taking care of business. You hand her something, it's done. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And I like Martha, right? Some of you like Martha. Some of you are like, man, I, I'm already uncomfortable in this sermon because, I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm like Martha. But the problem with doers is that doing can sometimes distract us from what's really important. Sometimes doing can actually draw us away from what God actually wants for us. But, but Martha is a doer, and there's nothing wrong with being a doer. It's a good thing to be a doer. I don't know if you noticed this, but did you notice whose house this was? This was Martha's house. The scripture says that Martha opened her house to Jesus. This wasn't Mary's house. Mary, would, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, enjoying you know, his teaching and listening to him. She would not have a place to sit if it weren't for Martha. So we're not mad at Martha. Martha is the doer. Martha is the one that brought Jesus in. Martha is the one that offered to serve. Martha is the one that was demonstrating hospitality. But what can happen is, and and God's not saying don't do, he's saying don't get distracted by doing. Don't get distracted by doing. And we know that Martha started getting distracted by doing because she did that thing that we do when we get overloaded, when we get overwhelmed. I know some of you moms are are with me right now. You're like, I am, I'm there. I'm changing diapers. There's always another dish. There's always another spill. There's always another mouth to feed. There's all, right? And we we get to this point. We get to the point that Mary got. Mary snapped. Mary like got to that, I'm sorry, Martha. Martha I'm going to keep calling her Mary. Am I going to keep calling her Mary? Martha, Martha, Martha. All right. So, so Martha got to the point where she, was, she, was, she had it. And we know it because this is what she did. <laughs> she says to Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work myself? Tell her to help me. So now she's not only mad at Mary. She's, she's barking orders at Jesus, right? She's like, listen, Jesus, right? I'm over here working, and Mary is not, and I want you to tell her to do what I'm doing because this is my spiritual gift, and it should be hers too, right? She's mad. If you, if, if you, know, you know you're getting there when you start looking at other people on social media that are having fun, and you go, huh, well, must be nice, right? Must be nice going on vacation and laughing and smiling and enjoying it, you know? That's when you know you're there. I sometimes I'll, I'll be on, I do this, right? Because what happens is when we get away, when we get away from what's important, we distracted, we get worked up. I'll be, I'll be working, I'll be working on my sermon or something. It'll be a Saturday and I'll be up in my office and I'll be looking down at the Del Mar Loop. And you know, on Saturdays, man, people are just flowing up and down the Del Mar Loop, like no big deal. They're laughing, having coffee. And, and I'll look down and be like, huh, must be nice. 
enjoying yourself on a Saturday morning, huh? Well, I'm slaving away up here trying to get this sermon. The church won't grow itself, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's Martha. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um, here's the thing. Uh, so, so, so Martha's, Martha's angry. Martha's upset. But Jesus is trying to teach us something. He's trying to teach us something. And what he's trying to teach us is this. Intimacy is more important than activity. Intimacy is more important, more important than activity. And let me tell you why. Because activity without intimacy becomes formality. All right? Now, activity is important. God calls us to serve. God calls us to sacrifice. God calls us to love. God calls us to do. God calls us to be. He calls us to do all of this stuff. But if it's not coming out of, if it's not an overflow of our intimacy, it becomes a formality. And then we start getting jaded and cynical and angry and frustrated at other people. I can tell you just personally in my own life, or my wife could actually probably tell you better, whether or not I am I am, I'm serving out of intimacy or I'm serving out of a, just a sense of performance. Because if I'm ser- serving out of a sense of performance, it doesn't take long until I'm cynical and judgmental and angry and edgy and irritable and frustrated and mean and surly. And what else, babe? Anything else? Nothing else. All right. So, but this happens, this happens when, we, when we start getting distracted even by good things. And God is saying, look, intimacy... Intimacy, Martha, is more important than activity because when activity flows out of intimacy, then it's, then it's effective, then it flourishes. I am, our church, we are called, this is our vision, our church, our mission statement, to bring people and God together in love. That's our mission statement. That's, that's our mission statement, right? We can't do that unless we are intimate with people and God. If we are just acting, if we are just serving, if we are just doing, and it's not flowing out of the abundance of our love, then it's not going to be effective. I can tell you how many people, and I praise God that our church can be a place where people come from all different experiences and, and will come here and literally say, hey, I just, I just need a place to chill out for a little bit. I just need a place to just get fed and, and get nourished and, and, and rest. And I say, praise God, man, because this is the kind of place where we are, we are committed to being intimate with God. We're bringing people and God together. That's the goal, is to make it intimate, to bring it together. And this is what Mary was doing. Mary, the scripture says this. It says, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So Martha is cranking. Martha is busy. Martha is doing Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet and she's listening and she's soaking it in and she's absorbing it, right? And what what God is trying to teach us is that sometimes we need to stop the activity. We might not be able to stop it for a long time, but we need to stop the activity and we need to just soak in him. We need to just listen to him. We need to just focus on him because if we can do that, we will get the strength we will get the vitality. We will get the joy in order, that will give us the strength to go and serve. I had um, uh, my kids the other day wanted to watch uh, Power Rangers. And this is such a weird show, Power Rangers. I, I didn't, you know, if, if any of you parents know this show, it's like, there's just, it's crazy. I don't even understand what's going on in Power Rangers. There's fighting and 
special effects and it's just bizarre. But anyway, they were watching it in the family room and um, I wanted to read a book and I did not want Power Rangers blaring over the, you know, over the whole house. So I said to the boys, there's a little TV down in the basement. I said, guys, go down to the basement and you can watch Power Rangers right, right down there. And they said, well, we can't watch the downstairs TV because the downstairs TV doesn't work. And I said, oh, really? They said, yeah, we've tried everything. Mom tried to fix it. Babysitter tried to fix it. Everybody's tried to fix it. TV doesn't work. I said, okay, you know, and I don't know anything about TVs or technology. I'm the worst at that. But so I go down and I'm like just pushing buttons and sure enough, it doesn't work. It turns on, but it's not actually displaying anything, right? So there, there are no channels. Um, and so I did the one thing, the only thing that I know about to do in a, in a technological situation like this, I just unplugged everything, yep. right? I unplugged everything, right? And I sat there for about five minutes and then I plugged it all back in. And I turned it on, bing, Power Rangers came on like nobody's business. My kids thought I was a massive hero. I'm like, go down and watch the TV, boys, Power Rangers. Dad's going to read a book. Here's the, here's, the, here's the truth. Everybody and everything works better after it's unplugged for a few minutes. Sometimes God is saying, look, I want you to just unplug from the madness, from the noise, from the craziness, from the chaos. And I want you to just spend a little time with me. I want you to just soak in the silence. I want you to just be quiet for a minute and let me nourish you. Let me give you strength. Let me bring you rest. Now, for moms and, and for the women in our congregation, what this means is that guys, we need to give them a moment, right? Friends and family and brothers, and we need to, we need to, we need to provide some time where they can unplug. We need to help them for a moment unplug. In fact, here, I've got something just, just to give you a, a visual reminder. On your way out, not only are there cookies for all the women in the congregation, there are also, here, there are also a nice set of earplugs for you. And I, I want to invite you, I want to give you permission this afternoon to put your earplugs in, right? And just take a moment to yourself, right? He's saying, look, I want you to unplug. I want you to draw close to me. He turns to Martha and he says this. He says, Martha, 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 the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, he said, only one. You see, Jesus is saying something to all of us. He's saying, if you're distracted by the many, then just focus on the one. If you're distracted by all of the stuff, I want you to take a moment today and I want you to refocus on the one thing. The reason that we get distracted by the many is that we come to believe that our performance, right, is what gets us into God's good grace. This is a religious view. This is a religious idea that I have carried and do carry and I have to be reminded not to do that, but we will get into a mindset where our, we, we get more involved in our performance than in God's presence. Martha got absorbed in her performance. Mary was focused on Jesus' presence. In fact, Martha, Martha had a gift, but sometimes your greatest gift can become your greatest obstacle because you start to want everybody else to have that gift. You, want, you start wanting other people to experience God the way you experience God. And you start saying, well, why isn't she doing what I'm doing? Because I'm doing this. We learned that Mary had other gifts. Mary, I don't know if you know this, Mary is the woman who uh, uh, at, a, at a later time, right before Jesus was about to die, um, 
came to him and had a very expensive bottle of perfume, an alabaster box full of perfume, and she broke it and she poured it out onto Jesus' feet and she, and she wept, right? When everybody was distracted because she knew that Jesus was gonna die, she wept and the scripture says she dried his feet with her hair. She had, this, she had the gift of discernment. She had the gift of, of prayer. She had the gift of generosity. She had these other gifts that were so important. And, and Martha is saying, well, my gifts are, these are the practical gifts that I want to display. And, and here, she's not doing that, right? In fact, even in that moment, I don't know if you remember this story, but, but in that moment when she was pouring the perfume out, one of Jesus' disciples, Judas, said, this is a waste of money. This money, the perfume could be used to, to sell and, and, and give to the poor. And Jesus said, look, she's preparing my body for burial, right? So, so we've got different gifts. And, and sometimes God is saying, you know, and we're saying, it's hard to see those impractical gifts that Mary had. It's easy to see the practical gifts, right? But God's saying, look, I, what I really want is your intimacy. I really want to grow I want you to grow in me. I want you to grow close to me. I want you to, to draw near to me. I'm going to end with this. There's a, um, guys, I'm going to give you, guys, I'm going to give you a, um, a, a teaching. I'm going to give you a recipe, all right? And you can cook this at home for your wives or your girlfriends or, or whoever, your moms, your sisters, your cousins, okay? Here's my, my one good recipe that I have. I, I like to make salmon. Um, in fact, I'll just, you go down to Aldi's. They've got a big old filet of salmon. It's like this big, 20 bucks. It'll last you a week, all right? Big filet of salmon, it's got skin on it. And here's the way you do it. You take the pan and you put it in the oven. You turn the oven on at 425 degrees, okay? You don't put any butter on it. You don't put any spray on it, no oil on it, just a hot pan. When that pan gets hot, you pull it out, okay? Then you take the filet and you just drop it on that hot pan. Are you following me, guys? Or have I lost all the guys? You drop it on that, and what happens is the skin adheres to that pan because it's hot. Skin just adheres to it of the salmon. Then you put the whole thing back in the oven, 12 minutes, 425. You pull it out, now your salmon is perfectly cooked, and the great thing is, you don't have to try to get the skin off because it's adhered to the pan. So you just slide a little spatula right under that salmon, and the whole thing comes off. It's beautiful, right? Then you serve it. Now, the bad part, about this process is now you've got skin that's adhered to the pan. So guys, if you stop there, it's not going to go well for you. All right. You're going to get, it's not going to go well for you. So that, so, so what you have to do, and, and there's two ways to get it off. One way is to scrape it off. And, and that takes a lot of energy and a lot of time. And you know, it's a lot of effort. Second way, the way I recommend is you take that pan, you put it in the sink Put a little soap in there, put a little water, and just let it soak. And then when it's time for that skin to come off, it just falls right off. What God is saying, what Jesus is saying is like, what I really want you to do is I want you to just soak in me. I want you to spend some time abiding in me. Because when you do that, the stuff starts to fall off. The distractions, the frustrations, the envy, the jealousy, the, the anger, it just kind of... You soak it off when you spend time in God's presence. In fact, Jesus said, abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in my love. Today, I want to give every one of you, but especially the moms and, and the sisters and the nieces and the aunts, I want to I give you permission from God's word to just stop for a minute. Soak in his presence. Soak in his love.
Remember that it's not your performance that gets you in his good graces. It's his love. He wants your intimacy. He wants to be, he wants to know you and to be known by you. And he's calling you into a relationship with him. So let me ask you this for each and every one of us here today. Where in your life do you need to just stop and let God's presence soak in your heart? What do you have that's crusted onto your attitude or your heart or your mind or you've, you've gotten anxious or you've gotten frustrated or you've gotten upset, you've gotten worried, you've gotten full of regret, you've got all of these distractions, internal and external. Where is God calling you to just stop and just soak and just enjoy his presence and just let him begin to heal you and nourish you and strengthen you? What does it look like when we do this you know, as a family, as a church community, all of us? And just spend time in God's love and in his presence. I'll tell you what it looks like. It starts to look like people who really genuinely see each other and hear each other. People who really genuinely hear the voice of God and listen to the voice of God and obey the voice of God out of love for God. Not as a formality. Not as a religious duty. But out of love for God. And so today I just want to give everybody that's in this place a moment through God's word to give you permission to stop, to drive away the distractions and to focus on the main thing. Let me pray for you. Father, we come before you today with with joy in our hearts because we are celebrating. Celebrating uh, motherhood, celebrating uh, the women in, in our lives. And God, I just... I ask, God, that you would show us your grace and your mercy today. Help all of us, Lord, all of us, to not not be overwhelmed by the distractions of life, to not be overwhelmed by the challenges and the difficulties, not be overwhelmed by the internal and the external distractions, but to soak in your presence, to soak in your love, to abide in your presence today, to enjoy you, to be refreshed by you, to be renewed by you, to be reinvigorated in you, God, so that we can serve out of love and that we can do out of love and we can love because you first loved us. Father, I pray for everyone here today that you would nourish them and give them strength, healing, comfort, and peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.